Hello again, everyone. Welcome to Kicks and Dribbles. I'm Dan McClay. This is the weekly soccer broadcast where we talk about world football. And boy, I'll tell you what, if you if you were bored last week, then something's wrong because there was everything in the world going on and then some with world football. Uh, the first thing we want to talk about before anything else is MLS. They had their um, tournament that they ran through to determine a winner for this season. Unfortunately, it was such a short season because of this pandemic situation. But uh, they did a good job down there in Orlando, keeping everybody together, uh, playing on some good games. Uh, it was good competition. I got a chance to watch the final, which was between Portland and Orlando. Uh, a lot of people turned out uh, to watch the game outside and uh, hang around because uh, it was a good matchup between two good teams. Uh, Portland came out on top 2-1 to one in the final. We had a 64% possession for Orlando, however, as they uh, did not uh, roll over very easily. Zuparic was the uh, guy who got the winning goal for Portland in the 66th minute. Portland led on corners five to three and led on uh, shots on goals six to one. So basically, um, kind of an even match game if you look at the statistics and step back and look at everything. Orlando was 64% possession, but you got the five to three in corners, Portland's favor, which means they were down in the attack zone a lot and they had six shots on goal to only one for Orlando. Again, Portland two, Orlando one. Congratulations to the Timbers on a good season and a championship. And hopefully, as uh, things move on, we will have a normal uh, football season for the MLS come next year. Very good. Now let's get into the uh, important stuff, you might say, that's been happening over there in Portugal. Of course, we've had the uh, Champions League uh, being held there in Lisbon, in the two stadiums in Lisbon, Obrigado. Thank you to the Portuguese for picking up the situation and helping with this. They have made it uh, such a great, uh, smooth transition to get this thing done. And, uh, boy, the games have been amazing. Well, I don't know if you heard. I'm sure you did. Somewhere, if you're a soccer fan in the world, you know what happened. Uh, Munich, Bayern Munich, went on the field against Barcelona. This was supposed to be the matchup of the, of the year. This was supposed to be the matchup that was going to just be an incredible game. This was supposed to be the matchup that was going to keep everybody on the edge of their seats. Well, you know, we thought about that when Germany played Brazil in the World Cup down there in Rio de Janeiro, right? And what happened? Well, guess what? The same thing happened in Lisbon. Bayern Munich tore Barcelona apart. I mean, took them from rim to rim, limb to limb, you name it, they did it to, to Barcelona. After the dust settled, the smoke cleared, and the tears were dried and some blood was picked up. Munich 8, Barcelona 2. Yes, you heard right. Bayern Munich 8, Barcelona 2. Unbelievable. I sat there with my mouth open. And by halftime, I said, this is a complete mirror of Germany-Brazil from the World Cup. Just an incredible display of passing, of offense, of just complete disciplined football by Bayern Munich. Hats off to Hans Flick. This guy is an amazing coach, and nobody has heard about him, right? Hans Flick, let's admit it. Hans Flick is not a person you've been talking about uh, over the break, over the uh, water cooler uh, at the bar uh, during our soccer broadcast. He's not somebody you talk about. He's a coach that just kind of has gone on and done his job, and look what he's done with Bayern Munich. He has taken a group of guys who are, you know, some of them are well-known, like Lewandowski and others, and has put them together and molded them into a team that is just unreal. And they took Barcelona to the cleaners, starched them, boxed them, tied them up, and sent them home. Unreal. I just It's just an amazing thing to watch. I love the way Barcelona moves the ball. I'm sorry. I love the way Bayern Munich 
moves the ball down the field. Just really pretty football. Barcelona looked disorganized. Not disinterested, but disorganized. The back line was making mistakes all day in their coverage. Back line was making mistakes in their rotations. And Bayern Munich just went through them like they weren't even there. Just really unbelievable. So, after the dust settled and the smoke cleared, Kike Setien canned, gone. He is no longer the coach of Barcelona. It is now Ronald Koeman. Now, that name may not ring a bell with a lot of people, okay? But if you follow world football and you follow the national teams from Europe, you'll know that name. Ronald Koeman right now is the, or was, the manager of the Dutch national team. He is still uh, getting the ink dry on his contract with Barcelona. They had a board meeting on Monday morning uh, after the smoke had cleared over the weekend from the disaster, um, and they decided to sack, uh, set the end. Um, Coleman was uh, apparently uh, named as the one to, um, to succeed him. There were other names that were being floated around. Mauricio Pochettino was being floated around, but nobody liked him because uh, he had uh, played for Espanyol, which, of course, is the rival across town from Barcelona. So uh, while his name had been floated, nobody really was enthusiastic about having Mauricio Pochettino take over at Barcelona. Another name being floated around was Massimiliano Allegri. He's a good guy, uh, very tactical-oriented. He left Juventus back in May of 2019. He has 11 trophies in five seasons, which is a pretty good resume. But again, Allegri didn't uh, really spark any um, enthusiasm among the, the board members. And then Pep Guardiola, of all people, was also thought. Because why? Well, Guardiola was born in Catalonia, Spain. That's right. And he also managed Barca, or rather, yeah, he managed Barca before. So Pep was being considered eh, as an outside chance, outside shot, you might say. But Ronald Koeman is going to be the new manager of Barcelona. Now, here's my question. I, I like Ronald Koeman. He's a good guy. He knows football. This guy is really smart. He has coached at Barcelona before. He played there. So he, this is nothing new to him coming into this team. What I'm wondering is about the upper management, the owner of Barcelona. This guy apparently is in some other world, okay? Uh, I'm sorry, but this is a team that when you say their name on the world soccer uh, front, this is a name that gets respect. This is a name that people sit up and take notice. This is a name that is not just said, oh, well, who's that? No, this is a name that people recognize. The Barcelona-Real Madrid annual matchup is one of the most anticipated soccer matches in the world every year. So Barcelona is a team that demands respect. How can the owner be going like this and all of a sudden put a team out there on the field that acted like they did against Bayern Munich? Uh, I don't completely blame Setien. Kike Setien is a smart guy. He's very patient. He's very laid back. But something went wrong. Was it the ownership? I don't know. But uh, obviously maybe Setien didn't feel like he was getting enough confidence from the top, uh, top people. Come on, Barcelona ownership, you need to get your act together. You really need to get your act together. You need to clean house, figure out who's doing what, and then go down the line from there. Coleman is somewhat of an organized disciplinarian, okay? I'm not saying he's, you know, do this, do that, I've got the whip, blah, blah, blah. No, he is an organized type disciplinarian, okay? So he is a person who likes to do things in an orderly fashion, and he can get Barcelona in order, but he's going to need the support from the board of Barcelona. 
Congratulations to Ronald Coleman. Hats off to him. I think he'll do a great job. Messi should stay. Messi is the mainstay, the glue of that team. Will Neymar come back? There are rumors flying at this point. Neymar, apparently there's a lot of money being floated around. And, you know, whenever there's Neymar mentioned, there's millions and millions and millions and millions of pounds, euros, whatever, floating around. Okay. So will Neymar come back? Possibility. We'll just see how it all shakes out. You've got Griezmann right now playing for Barcelona, and he's doing good. Griezmann and, and Messi, I think, that's a that's a great pairing up front. I mean, if that doesn't put 30 goals on the board for you easily in one year, then something's wrong, okay? Because these are two high-scoring uh, guys, and they just need to get their little chemistry together. No, Not a problem. Both are pretty laid-back uh, guys. Uh, I've heard interviews with Griezmann. Seems like a real nice individual. Uh, Messi, of course, is an Argentinian, very laid-back, very humble. I think the two of them can work well together, and I think Barcelona next year, if they get the support from the upper echelon like they need, I think Barcelona next year can make a comeback because basically they were uh, two points ahead in the league before the pandemic hit. Then Real Madrid won the title. And I'll tell you what, the guy at Real Madrid, Zidane, this guy does not back down. He will get a team. If he gets his side set on something, he will get it done. Okay? So, Coleman knows that. So, uh, you know, Barcelona, it's up to you now. The ball is in uh, the uh, owner's uh, court for Barcelona to get things straightened out. So let's go on down the road and see what happens. So Bayern Munich gets to the final uh, of the Champions League, or rather the semifinal, and they're going to play Lyon on Wednesday. Now, uh, Bayern Munich, I realize, had a seemed to be a walk in the park over Barcelona. They got to understand. They got to realize that was a fluke. That was a complete fluke. They're going up against a team in Lyon who is all of a sudden like a puppy dog that smells new food. Okay? They're going to go after it. They are excited. They can't wait to get there. They are playing with enthusiasm. And basically, they're playing about a half a notch above their level because Lyon is not mentioned in the upper echelon of football in the world. So, uh, in that that note, I would say Bayern Munich, enjoy the moment. Enjoy the victory over Barcelona. Yeah, you, you did what you had to do. Okay, move on. You've got a really stiff test coming up. Lyon is tough. Lyon has got a good back line, and Lyon has got guys in the front that can score. So, uh, Bayern Munich, congratulations. Good luck. Let's see what happens. That's going to be on Wednesday, okay? That's going to be Bayern Munich against Lyon. That'll be a great matchup. Now, getting on to some other games. We had um, Atalanta and PSG play last week. This was quite a game because Atalanta has been scoring goals right and left, up and down in the Italian league and also in Champions League. And they've been surprising some people. Well, of course, PSG came into the game. They were wondering if Mbappe, their star, the star of the world as far as I'm concerned, and uh, all of France uh, considers him just somebody who walks on water. Uh, Mbappe was coming off an injury, a bad injury, supposedly. So what does... uh, what is Thomas Tuchel going to do? Is he going to put Mbappe out there at the beginning of the game? Well, he didn't. And that was expected. Okay, so they start the game, and Gasparini has got Atalanta ready. They are playing good disciplined football. They're smart. They have a good midfield, a fast midfield. And Gasparini had them passing the ball very well there in the first half. And it resulted in a goal. And so you've got Atalanta up 1-0 at halftime. Okay, very good. So we go to the second half, and Mbappe gets warmed up. And Mbappe comes into the game in the 60th minute. Just like that, things changed. 
because Mbappe adds speed to the PSG ball movement. And when you add speed like Mbappe's got to the PSG midfield, fasten your seatbelts. It's going to get it's going to get ugly and it's going to get fast real quick. So PSG started uh, pushing, but you know what? Atalanta has a great defense, and Atalanta withstood uh, PSG, and they withstood them, and they withstood them until about the 85th minute. And then, you know, you have these superstars on your team that are paid to step forward, and they're paid millions and millions and millions of dollars to make things happen, to get the team over that hump. And Neymar is PSG's big star. And Neymar came to the came out of nowhere and started helping this team get over that hump. Now, Neymar didn't get any goal that was important. Neymar, what he did was he created the pressure that kept Atalanta on their back heels on the defense. And PSG pushed, and PSG pushed, and PSG pushed. And finally, in the 89th minute, Marquinhos gets the goal. This was the spark that lit the flame. Okay, so you've got PSG coming right back at him again, coming right back at him, right down the field. And in the 92nd minute, yeah, 92nd minute, Chiropo Moting is a really good-looking player that PSG has got. His father's from Cameroon, mother from Germany. This kid can play football. 92nd minute, he's right where he's supposed to be in front of the goal. Boom. Two to one, PSG slots in the goal, holds on for dear life, wins the game. Hats off to Gian Gasparini. He had a great year, not only in Serie A, but in Champions League. His team, Atalanta, did not embarrass themselves. They have come up over the ranks in the past few years. This team is looking good. Hats off to Mr. Senior Gasparini. He has done a great job, and I can hope he continues to do it. Now, PSG goalie Navas uh, from Chile got hurt in the 70th minute. Haven't heard anything about his injury. I don't think it's too bad, but he was taken off the field and replaced. Now, you might have noticed if you watched the game, Thomas Tuchel, the coach of PSG, was in crutches with a big cast on his foot. Well, you see, like me, he likes to get out on the field every once in a while and think he's about 10 years younger. Well, it just doesn't work that way, Thomas. And uh, he fractured his foot in the ankle area. And uh, so he's got his uh, leg currently in a walking cast. And uh, he, he couldn't get around very much on the sidelines during the game, and he wanted to celebrate a lot, and he just couldn't do it with the crutches in one hand and big cast on his foot and all this. Oh, it was just – it was so – I felt so sorry for him. But, hey, he's got a celebration going on right now, so PSG is in the final. And PSG is going to take on – are you ready for this? Yeah, RB Leipzig. Oh, who would have thought that RB Leipzig was going to come through? And here they come. And I'll tell you, this has been a, cra a crazy Champions League because the teams that are supposed to win are not, and the teams that you never even heard of are winning. Is the uh, guard changing in European football? Well, let's see. You got RB Leipzig playing Atletico Madrid last week. That was Julian Nagelsmann, who I've talked about before on this broadcast. He's done a great job keeping RB Leipzig up there in that top of that uh, Bundesliga. And Atletico Madrid with Diego Simeone leading them, and he is a smart cookie. So, you got RB Leipzig going against Atletico Madrid. And RB Leipzig has got a young man on their team who is just absolutely amazing. And guess what? He's an American. Yeah, he is a good footballer. And he is going to make somebody really happy when he gets on their team and becomes their mainstay. Tyler Adams, 88th minute from outside the penalty arc. It was a 
uh, counterattack, and it was a one-touch pass from outside the penalty box on the side, across the middle to the penalty arc. Tyler Adams was right where he was supposed to be. Nice little shot, or a nice little dribble, then a setup, and boom. And as the Atletico Madrid player slid across the penalty spot to deflect the uh, shot, the ball caught the top of his shoe, went straight up in the air, and then came down over the goalie into the goal. Tyler Adams with the winning goal for RB Leipzig puts them into the finals, 2-1 to one the final over Atletico Madrid. Hats off to Diego Simeone, always a great uh, year at Atletico Madrid. He coaches very well. But again, Julian Nagelsmann has just done unbelievable job with RB Leipzig. I like this guy. I like the team. They are young. They're hungry. And when you got guys like Tyler Adams who step up where they're supposed to be and do the right thing, it just makes your job that much easier. So RB Leipzig, PSG coming up on Tuesday. Now, look at this, folks. <laughs> if RB Leipzig and Bayern Munich win, then we got an all-German final. If Paris Saint-Germain and Lyon win, we got an all-French final. Holy smokes. One of those countries, if they get two teams in the final of Champions League, one of those countries is going to have a problem because you're going to have fans running all over the place. Okay? Be interesting to see what happens. Tuesday and Wednesday, the semifinals of the Champions League, it's going to be good. Do not anticipate anybody winning anything. It's going to have to be finished until the final whistle. We will see what happens. Very good. Well, that's Champions League. So let's move on to Europa League, which has also had some great stuff. Oh, by the way, wanted to mention real quick before we go to Europa League, there was another uh, coaching change in the uh, in the English football. Uh, Vladimir Ivich has been now named the coach of Watford up there in uh, in England in the, in the second division. Uh, Vladimir Ivich is from Serbia, uh, smart guy. Uh, remember when he played uh, for what was then Yugoslavia? Uh, good guy, and I think he'll have do do good job at Watford. Okay, very good. Um, in the, in the uh, Europa League, we had Lyon and Man City. Now, everybody had Man City picked for this one because Old Gunner's been doing such a great job. But Lyon with Rudy Garcia, they're on a roll. They are on a roll. Do not count them out. Here comes Lyon, 3-1. to one. Final there, Dembélé uh, on the pitch. Uh, he is just an amazing player. And uh, he was on their pitch for five minutes. He came in at, at about the 80, 82nd, 83rd minute. And uh, all of a sudden, things started happening. Lyon wins three to one. Uh, De Bruyne scored the goal for our, uh, yeah, Lyon, uh, uh, De Bruyne, I excuse me, scored the goal for Man City uh, in the 70th minute. Uh, that made the game one to one, but Lyon beats Man City three to one. That was Champions League. Now moving on to Europa League. Okay, here we go. Uh, Sevilla uh, defeated Man United two to one. Uh, Old Gunner uh, with Man United, just an amazing job. But uh, tell you what, Sevilla has got some great young talent. And they are going to be moving on down the road to the final. And that was played on Sunday. Then on Monday, boy, what a game this was. Inter defeated Shakhtar 5-0. And the reason Inter won was because of, that's right, their main star, who is Lukaku. Uh, Romelu Lukaku, the big Belgian, just an amazing player. I've talked about him before on this broadcast. He is one of my favorite players in the world. He doesn't get the press that he deserves. He doesn't get the recognition that he deserves. This man can score goals. I saw him outrun a Shakhtar Donetsk defender 35 yards while dribbling the ball and score a goal, okay? And the defender was half his size, okay? Lukaku can move like nobody can move. <laughs> the man is amazing. Congratulations to Romelu Lukaku, two goals in the game. Again, uh, Inter 5, 
Shakhtar nil. Uh, Antonio Conte doing a great job at Inter, which I figured he would. So uh, that's going to be a uh, good thing to watch there as Inter. Next year, Inter is going to be in Champions League because of their high finish in the Italian League this past year. Also scoring for Inter was Latario Martinez and Daniel D'Ambrosio. Okay, very good. So Friday, Inter's going to play Sevilla, and that will be in Cologne, Germany. Uh, that'll be at 2 o'clock Eastern time, Inter and Sevilla for the championship of Europa League. Very quickly, looking at the Mexican scores from last week uh, on Wednesday, the Cox has shut out Mazatlan 1-0. Cruz Azul lost on the road to Carretero 1-0. Guadalajara Chivas going to Juarez winning 2-0. Monterrey Rayados tying Pumas 1-1 in Mexico City. Atletico San Luis going to Tijuana and winning 2-0. Then uh, the next day, Toluca went to Atlas and won 2-1. Santos lost at Aztec Stadium in Mexico City to America 3-1. Then uh, on Friday, it was Pachuca shutting out Puebla 1-0. Atletico San Luis losing on the road Saturday at Chivas 2-1. Juarez losing on the road to Cruz Azul at Mexico City 3-2. And then Pumas and Mazatlan tied in the resort city at 0 Nacaxa went to Monterrey and tied Rayados 1-1. On Sunday, it was Tigres on the road losing to Toluca 3-2. Santos tying Atlas at home 0-0. And America losing on the road. Yes, losing, and it was bad because they played half the uh, the second half with uh, only 10 men on a red card. America losing to Carretero 4-1 in that game. America was 64% possession and still losing the game. Uh, Leon and Tijuana are going to play on Monday the 17th. That will be at Leon. So very good. We've got changes at Barcelona. And uh, my goodness, what a week it's been. So don't forget that this coming Tuesday and Wednesday, we've got the semifinals of Champions League. And then on Friday, we've got the final between Inter and Sevilla for uh, Europa League. That's going to do it for Kicks and Dribbles. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Dan McClay. Lauren McClay does our technical producing. John Dang handles our sound. DC McClay is in our ideas department. Please wash your hands. Social distance six feet from each other. But again, wash your hands and let's practice and get the practice our, 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 our hygiene and get this pandemic out of the way. It's really causing a lot of problems. We want fans back in the stadiums, please. Okay. Oh, and by the way, don't let your life have too many yellow cards. <laughs>